Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Yesterday it was Chelsea and today it was Liverpool. Not great for German managers, I tell you that much. The Champions League group stage is asking for some difficult questions of two Premier League elites. On the flip side, how about this Napoli side? Meanwhile, Ajax, despite Eric Ten Hag's best efforts, they remain a force on the European stage. Richarlison powers Spurs to victory. Bayern Munich beat Inter Milan and Lewandowski bagged a hat trick. Oh, and three of the managers who were in action yesterday are now unemployed. There's never a dull moment in this beautiful game of ours. And joining me today is Jonathan Johnson, Michael LaHood, Diego Lasso, Champions League Wednesday. Live recap begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kigo Lasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Kigo Lasso pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kigo Lasso. This is a live episode. We want your takes. We want your comments. Yesterday was Chelsea fans. Hey, Liverpool fans. How are you feeling? Welcome to the show. Michael LaHood, what's up, man? I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. Every time Liverpool loses, every time Chelsea loses, big smile on my face. Like that. <laughs> oh, no, you're having a good week. I think Michael LaHood, absolutely. Jonathan Johnson, no longer a Pac de Prince, but he's, as in, he's at his own palace. He's at home. <laughs> Jonathan Johnson, how are you, buddy? Yeah, doing well. Thanks, man. Just uh, incredible scenes as Atleti and uh, Porto managed to dull us out over 90 minutes, and then you get three <laughs> goals in extra time. Yeah, crazy Des Norris, who's an Atleti fan, just writes in the chat, Griezmann! <laughs> so we know who's the winner right there. But we will get to that game later on, everybody. Welcome, as we mentioned, LME, Michael LaHood, Jonathan Johnson. This is Kigo Lasso live, our Wednesday Champions League recap. As we recap, really, the end of match day one, of course. Uh, a lot of action today as well. And we have to begin, everybody, with Napoli against mm. Liverpool. My goodness, a wake-up call maybe for the Premier League Giants. Napoli, Spalletti take care of business against the Red. And I said it on Twitter, and I'm going to say it right now. I don't care how long your name is. I'm going to say the whole <laughs> thing. Kevicha Kavarska from Dinamo Batuni for 10 million euros went to Napoli. He is an absolute star. It's not just him, but Napoli win 4-1, Michael LaHood. 4-1, your initial reaction about this. Wow. I tweeted it during the game. Napoli, wow. I'll say it again. Wow. Standout performance of the day. Standout performance of match day one. And just how they did it. It stuck to their principles. Pressing. They pressed Liverpool for 90 minutes. Relentless. They they had the home fans behind them, which they always do at the Diego Maradona Stadium, recently renamed after the Argentine great, rightfully so. 
but it was what they did when they got in the final third. They made Liverpool's back line and defenders look average. Trent, I'm looking at him and that matchup between the Georgian Messi. I can't say his name like you can, so we'll just call him the Georgian Messi. He was the standout player of the day. Victor Osman not getting on the score sheet. Injury, we'll see how that goes. But what he did to Trent and and Joe Gomez, it, just, it was like watching a training ground session. It, it was incredible to see how they were able to transition and press for 90 minutes. There's a little comment here before JJ chimes in from uh, Oscar. Uh, are you still going to claim Premier League supremacy even after this routing that Liverpool got. I don't know that what that, who's that you two like to address to, by the way. We got we got a reporter <laughs> who covers the French league and, and most of the continental Europe and, and a big uh you know promoter of MLS and beyond. I mean, I love the Premier League, it's my favorite league, but nobody's saying here that you know they are by far the most superior. I mean, the last time that they won the Champions League was not that long ago, but it's Spanish giants that are doing it. JJ. Let's talk about this Liverpool performance against Napoli 4-1. And let's say that name again. Kravica Kavaratskelia. Amazing. Incredible. I think uh, Oscar has uh, one of us confused for James Benj, unfortunately. Not particularly flattering for, for any of us here. But uh, no, I mean, honestly, I mean, I've, I've been to Napoli before on European nights and that atmosphere mm. is crazy. You know, it's impossible for the players to not get G'd up. And I, I feel that this is just part of the new Napoli, uh, you know, announcing themselves on the continental stage. We've seen already what they can do in, uh, in Serie A. I mean, okay, they haven't necessarily been tested by maybe one of the top names in the league just yet. You could argue that they've already come up against Fiorentina and Lazio, no mugs either side. Uh, you know, but to go and put out a display like that, you know, for it's hugely worrying for Liverpool, but, you know, it's it deserves massive praise as well for, for Napoli in the way that they, they've come out and been able to perform. You know, you look at what Spalletti's getting at, uh, from them for the second season in a row because they started last campaign really fast as well. I can only hope for them that they don't get derailed, perhaps by another injury to Ozyman, uh, as Mike already mentioned, because we don't know how that one's going to play out. It was a bit of a gamble throwing him in from the beginning, given that he was injured in the build-up to the match. But he was also part of that crazy first half where they just blitzed Liverpool. Uh, You know, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of a few years ago when Villa blew Liverpool away. I mean, I wouldn't say that that team at Villa Park that day was as star-studded as Liverpool's was here. But, uh, you know, it was quite a comprehensive dismantling. I felt Liverpool were lucky to even get a goal uh, in this game, I'll be honest with you. You know, Napoli could have obviously had an extra one with Aussie men not scoring from the spot. But it's, you know, to me, it feels like alarm bells are maybe starting to ring, you know, uh, for for Jurgen Klopp. Not quite just yet. And obviously he has earned the right over the last seven years to, uh, you know, be given a longer leash than, than many. But also at the same time, I, I think back to something Ian Paul Joyce said on this podcast a couple of days ago. The seventh season for Jurgen Klopp happened in Mainz, happened in Borussia Dortmund. It's happening in Liverpool now as well. Well, when does something have to give if you're Jurgen Klopp? And I think that's a good conversation we'll probably have in a bit when we talk about him and Liverpool in the pod. But to go back to this game, it was one and lost in the midfield against Manchester United, one and lost in the midfield. Yes, the problem is at the back. When I look at this Napoli side, their ability to transition in midfield, runners from midfield, and Gisa, class, picking up where he left off from AFCON, a player that we highlighted time and time again during that semifinal run for Cameroon. But Angisa and that left side from he and Cavada, that combination, 
I, I think of the second goal, Zielinski looking class as well in that attacking midfield role. This is looking more and more like a complete Napoli team, key emphasis on team and on individuals. And they have one of the best strikers in Europe. And if they can continue to build on this sort of confidence, unbeaten in Syria, starting the Champions League off in just scintillating fashion, oof, could we see them be the surprise winner of this group or get second place and knock one of the big boys out? I mean, most of well, us. I think, uh, I think that's a really good point from Mike. So sorry, LME. I'm just going to finish on Mike's uh, point and then uh, hand it back over to you. It's a really good point because if you look at the way that Ajax have started, the fact that Liverpool play Ajax next, suddenly this is a real banana skin of a group because if they don't beat Ajax, then suddenly they're behind in the race for the top two places. The only thing that I would say is cast our minds back to a couple of years ago when Liverpool went all the way and beat Spurs in the final. They very nearly lost out in their group. And who was in that group? As, as well as PSG, Napoli. Napoli narrowly yeah. missed out. I think it was even on goal difference dropping into the Europa League. So, you know, I think that this is something that Liverpool are really going to have to react to fast. Uh, you know, and I, I totally agree with, uh, you know, the midfield comment, you know, to see Milner lining up next to Fabinho, next to Elliot, you know, I felt like that was a very dodgy midfield call. Uh, and you look when, when Liverpool are, you know, lacking confidence at this moment in time, it seems like that, midfield inability to, to really stamp their mark on a game impacts the defense as well because you've got Van Dyke, you know, looking completely out of sorts, Trent Alexander Arnold looking for a midfield that just doesn't exist in front of him at the moment. And you know, it doesn't seem uh, you know, like Liverpool necessarily prepared for, you know, this eventuality. I know they dived into the transfer market late on and picked up Arthur Mello, but is that going to be enough to to perhaps, you know, give them a bit of ballast in midfield? It doesn't feel like it at this moment in time. Well, I really wish more, more people would uh, watch uh, Kego Lasso because this is literally the problem that Michael LaHood and yours truly addressed to at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. This midfield is worrying. And, you know, just some numbers here. And let's not devaluate everything that Napoli did. Of course, Gio Simeone, fantastic acquisition there as well. By the way, he, he got a Champions League tattoo when he was 13. His parents thought he was insane. And he was like, <laughs> it's because I love this tournament so much. And my goodness, he proved it today. He kissed it after scoring that goal. But some Stats from Liverpool, thrashed by Napoli 4-1. Two wins in seven matches this season. Seventh in the league. Okay, I'm going to say it because we did it to Thomas Tuchel. We got to do it today. And I know some people probably like, oh, you just want a hot take. Well, really? Am I wanting a hot take? I don't know. Michael Lahoud, Jurgen Klopp, is he mm. in trouble? I think the seat is warm. It's not boiling hot yet, but it's definitely getting warm. That switch on your Audi when you press it to warm your seat up. That's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, one cheek, one cheek. I think the left cheek is definitely getting warm. It will be burning, scolding hot if they lose their next match day two match. And it will just be on fire and he'll be out the door. This is a Liverpool team that spent a ton of money. And you can only go back to the injury crises, well, a handful of times. I think it's slippery slope for Jurgen Klopp and the, the Fenway group and all the ownership group will be looking at some of his past run-ins given how this time of year in terms of how long he's been at the clubs that he's been at tends to yield some difficult results. Yeah, I mean, there's been some interesting points made as well, you know, sort of parallels between Liverpool now, Dortmund then. Uh, you know, Dortmund, obviously, he lost Lewandowski who joined Bayern. Here with Liverpool, he's lost Mane, you know, against his will, uh, you know, to Bayern again, uh, ironically. Uh, and it, it's kind of like some of those 
pieces are just never able to be replaced. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, Nunez is not, uh, you know, the right player for Liverpool or not a good player. He is, you know, a, an excellent player and I'm sure will be, uh, you know, prolific uh, in the end uh, for Liverpool. But it's maybe not the best fit for them in terms of what they had with Mane. And it's going to take time for Liverpool to, to rebuild without that. Uh, you know, and whether or not sort of Klopp will see it out, because obviously we know that he left Dortmund after that seventh season. Uh, it just feels like at this moment in time, it's, uh, you know, it is an absolutely crucial moment uh, for Klopp. Uh, you know, I I don't think that Liverpool will doubt his ability to turn it around right now. But, uh, you know, there's no doubt that it, it will be alarming. And if they get a poor result against Ajax, and when I say poor, basically they don't win that game at home, uh, you know, that, that pressure, pressure is going to be ratcheted up enough. I think coming up in the next few games, they've got Chelsea, who will be under new management by then, assuming the, you know, it'll be Graham Potter. You know, the pressure is, you know, that seat is going to get hotter and hotter. I hope for Klopp's sake, he doesn't have a, a piece of chewing gum or some candy in his pocket. <laughs> there is nothing, uh, there's nothing uh, to uh, disargue with the fact that obviously Jurgen Klopp has much more, uh, you know, breathing space with Liverpool, as opposed to Tuchel and Chelsea, been there longer. He's been more successful, of course, uh, with that amount of time. And he's done so much for this club and nobody's denying that he's one of the best managers out there. But right now, to everybody's point, you know, there comes a time for everybody that, you know, uh, that that seven-year itch, I guess, for Jurgen Klopp is happening uh, right now. So Liverpool fans, I would love to hear from you. What are your thoughts right now about Liverpool and, and where you're looking? Because the other component is, you know, I remember Jurgen Klopp saying a few weeks ago, admitting that he was wrong, that they really needed to solidify that midfield more in the summer. That's a massive mistake, not just on him, of course, but also on the executive decision. But it's a massive problem. Liverpool fans would love to hear from you. We have to circle back very quickly. We have a lot to discuss, okay? Uh, at Group C, of course, and some Group D action. Richarlison and Griezmann, a, a, a lot of emotions all over the place. But we've got to just wrap up this group. Uh, Ajax, by the way, uh, mm. somebody tweeted, to me going, my God, I'm so shocked at how good they are. Don't ever be surprised by Ajax. It doesn't matter who leaves. It doesn't matter who arrives. They're not a football club. They're a school. And everybody that goes there just gets educated. It's just a great, great philosophy of football. And they destroy Rangers for nothing, Jonathan Johnson. Uh, tremendous stuff. And a rough week for Brown Broncos, by the way. Not, 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 not a good one. But Ajax, just how good are they, by the way? It doesn't matter who comes in or comes out. Everybody just has it ready. I mean, they're just such a good team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, you know, considering how many talent or, how, you know, the amount of talent that's gone out of the door uh, this summer, obviously, you know, changing coach as well with Schroeder coming in. It's almost like they haven't missed a beat. You know, they're, they've picked up where they started last season. You know, they they made, you know, such a, a fast start that so many of us were tipping them to, you know, perhaps be dark horses for the title. Ultimately, you know, they faded out of it in the latter stage. But, you know, I think the other thing that really strikes me whenever I see Ajax doing so well on the continental stage at this moment in time is, I mean, you, you likened Ajax to a school. It's almost like it's a place for mature students these days because mm -hmm. it's not, I mean, it is still the Ajax way. There are still a lot of very young talents there, but they brought back, you know, some of the more experienced players. I mean, look at the, the summer acquisition of Bergwijn. Uh, you know, that was a really shrewd move, uh, you know, in my opinion. And, you know, he's already starting to deliver the goods, you know, scored, uh, you know, one of the goals uh, today. And if it, it feels like, 
you know, this could be, uh, you know, one of those surprise Champions League groups where a big name goes out. I mean, we know a big name is going to go out because Ajax, Napoli and Liverpool can't go through. But I think Liverpool is the one team everyone was expecting to advance. You know, Ajax have shown last season, you know, they're, they're ready to, you know, to pull off some shock results. And again, they, you know, they look primed here. I mean, Rangers, unfortunately, look so far off the pace, especially considering they got to the Europa League final last season. And worrying times for Van Bronckhorst, like you said, I mean, I think that's what seven goals without response, uh, taking into account the old firm derby and this match. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a tough start to, uh, to to life in the Champions League, back in the Champions League, I should say, for Rangers. Before match day one, there's a song that I I think I sang. goes a little something like this. I think we can all sing along. Take a deep breath. Baby, don't worry. Because every little thing is going to be all right. Because that's what's happening. uh, Three little birds. uh, I know, but we've got (laughs) limited time on the pod. On the pod. I know Des is going to stay quick. No, but uh, this is an Ajax. it's, It's the school for the footballing gifted. And Muhammad Kudus is the football and gifted. Oh my God, that kid this is- kid's a star in the making. Playing as a false nine, he's he's an attacking midfielder. Playing as a false nine, that goal that he scores, incredible, world class. And James Travenier sent to the locker room after half because of that goal. I mean, just made him look average. He was the, sent the back strength. to the garden, I think. After that. <laughs> yeah. The strength. He runs thirty plus yards over the midfield line. Bodies, one of the best left back or right backs in Scotland. Side note, uh, side note there, uh, Michael LaHood. How about Ghana at the World Cup? They're looking very oh. well, well, We don't have to me- digress too much, but he's just an example of how good this Ajax side really is. Well, it brings me to this point. This is starting to happen. It's early on, but I think back to their 2019 or which year was it? I think 2019 or yeah, whichever year it was where they made that Champions League run. Yep, 2019. Where they had. They had a false nine in Dusan Tadic. So a team that plays with a false nine in Ajax, there's this mobility, this movement between their front three that makes them so elusive. On the Kudus goal, it was Bergvine's movement checking forward and running in behind, but also checking in that takes away a center defender. And I think it was Goldsey. It takes him away and then creates a space for Kudus to isolate on Travenier out wide. And then, I mean, the finish was class. To hit it with his left foot in the top corner, difficult angle. It just set the tone and a great tone set for the Dutch side in a group that has all to play for. And they're the favorites alongside Napoli. I'm very worried about this Liverpool team. And Rangers, oh, man. And I know Ian Joy was sitting there in the pregame show with a big smile on his face, text him saying, hey, probably could be the last smile you get in Champions League group stages (laughs) for Rangers because they are in trouble. And James Sands, he he got a Champions League education today. I thought at fault for two goals, the first goal on Alvarez, forgot his mark, totally lost him. Alvarez with a bullet of a header into the far post. And then the own goal, not sure how, I think he got off, just let off the hook because that ball wasn't going in unless it redirected off his foot. He's a young American center back. And, you know, I got to give my U.S. men's national team players a little shout. He needs to get better if he wants to make that trip to Qatar. Performances like today won't cut it. Well, I'll tell you something. Ajax is an absolute giant. I talked to Edin Van de Sar and Ronald de Boer a few years ago. And from their under nines to their senior team, they all learn the same system. There is no set position at Ajax. Mm-hmm. Everybody just moves around. It's very fluid. It's beautiful to see. And yes, questions arise. Will Liverpool even get out of this group? I know it's early, but right now, Napoli and Ajax are looking 
fantastic. Let's move on to Group C, where Bayern Munich, uh, unsurprisingly, I think to some, I think we saw our friend Marco Messina revving up Inter Milan and uh, Paramount Plus, but no way, man. This is a Bayern Munich team that, it, that once again, no Lewandowski, no problem, 2 nothing. Um, and Inzaghi and Nagelsmann, you know, uh, going up against each other. And I would say that the former is probably more into pressure. Talk to me here, Jonathan Johnson. Uh, Bayern Munich 2, Inter Milan, nothing. Fair result, you think? Could have been more? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think it was the right result. Uh, you know, I think that it'll be a huge relief uh, for Bayern. You know, they had that wobble in the Bundesliga of late, you know, so it'll be a reassuring for them to get a, you know, a really important result, not only because it's the first game of the group stage, but also going away against a team who I think many were predicting might pip them to one of the top two spots in the group. Uh, and obviously coming off the pitch and then seeing the, the Barcelona result on old friend Lewandowski getting a hat trick, uh, you know, they know what they're up against now. Uh, you know, and based on this result, you know, the the pursuit for those top two spots is going to be between Bayern and Barca for the moment. Uh, you know, but I think as well, it's, you know, this group will probably come down to those clashes between Bayern and Barca and they're just going to be more box office now based on this. I don't discount Inter from getting back into it, but I never fancied them to take top spot in the group. I thought they might come close to maybe sneaking second, but ultimately I kind of had them pegged as my my third. So I, yeah, I'm not too surprised by by this result. And, you know, I think as well, it's, you know, for some of us who predicted that Bayern would go far in this competition, it's kind of reassuring to see that they get themselves back to that level once the, the Champions League anthem starts sounding out. I looked at the start of this game and Onana getting the start. We talked about it, I think, yesterday of when is the, I think, LME, you mentioned it. Is it time for a change in, in the goalkeeping position? Onana, 26, Handanovic, 37. It's time. It's time, it's time. And it could very well be time for a new head coach. Inter has lost three out of the last four. This was supposed to be the season where they're back to winning Serie A, where they finally take the next step. They they narrowly lost to Liverpool in the knockout stages last season. Valiant performance in Anfield. And they've taken a step backwards. This core group of players looked uh, just a step slower. Brozovic looked like he was chasing shadows trying to chase Kimmich and Sabitzer. Joshua Kimmich stole the show. Leroy Zane with the goal and also created that second goal. But the ball over the top by Kimmich, world class. If you don't pressure a playmaker like that, and don't Inter pride themselves on sitting back and hitting you on the counter. But to leave a player of Kimmich's quality was an absolute mistake on Inter's part. And those little details were the difference today. Byron put a professional performance out. And when they turned it up a notch, that's when they took over the game. On two different occasions, they really turned it up a notch. And they, they could have scored even more goals late on in the match. And the worrying sign for, for Bayern, though, is they're still waiting for Mane to get going. You could see that the weight of scoring a goal in a big game is starting to get to him. He's trying really hard. And the moment they get him in form and get him just that weight off his shoulder in goal scoring, then the Bayern machine will be up and running. But valid effort and quality result. Yeah, something else that really interested me as well was the fact that you look at that Bayern lineup, uh, you see some of the guys coming off the bench. Muziala, who's normally nailed on for a starting uh, 11 place, you know, Nabry, who up until recently had sort of been a regular part of the starting 11, uh, you know, Upamecano as well coming on. You guys know my thoughts on having too many of the the French guys in the in the defense for for Bayern. I I felt that they looked more solid at the back for that. But also, I kind of found it interesting as well that they've 
put somebody like Sabitzer back into the mix. No one was really sure where he was going to fit uh, with this Bayern side, but you know, I thought it was a good audition for for him. Um, and I think as well, Mane's like taking it back to the debate that we had about Liverpool and taking Mane out of that Liverpool side. The debate is equally valid, you know, about when he fits into this Bayern side, how long it's going to take for them to adapt to having him there. So it's for me, I think that you know Mane, he's a great player. Uh, you know, I I don't think, you know, alarm bells should be ringing about his contribution for Bayern just yet. It's going to take time for him to bed in the same way it's going to take time for Liverpool to get used to him not being there. But, you know, I think it is useful now for Bayern that they've got somebody like Leroy Sané starting to come up to the plate to, and contribute, given that, you know, it's not been an easy start to life uh, with Bayern for him. Well, I'll tell you who is not struggling to find form, and that's uh, former Bayern uh, Munich star Robert Lewandowski scoring a hat-trick today as Barcelona wins 5-1 against Victoria Pleasant. Poor Victoria Pleasant. You're just like cursing at the UEFA Champions League group stage draw. But anyway, Lewandowski scores a hat-trick. That's his sixth in the competition. Uh, only Messi and Ronaldo have more with eight to make him the first player to score, by the way, uh, Champions League hat-tricks with three different clubs Fantastic stuff for Lewandowski. Kessie off the mark as well. Kunde's third assist in two matches. Ferran Torres with an absolute beauty. Barcelona were just going crazy here. I'm not totally shocked, Michael Lahoud. I mean, this is definitely mm -hmm. the weakest uh, team in this group. Things will get much more complicated beginning, of course, in match day two when they have to play Bayern Munich. But what do you make of ba Barcelona at Camp Nou? All happy, basically. Oh, that feel-good vibe at Camp Nou is back. And I think they purposely waited for you to leave Barcelona, LME, before they got the goals. I know, and man. I'm still so angry about it. on the I pod that you said. performance at Camp Nou, and it was raining. And then <laughs> all the floodgates open up. Keep going. Yeah. Such is life when you're FC Barcelona. You put the word out on whoever's watching the pod. This is that guy, LME, said something about <laughs> levers. Let's hold off on goals. What I love about this performance from yes, the quality of opponent, you're gonna you're gonna get better opponents in this group for sure. It was when they took control of this game with that third goal just before half. Pilsen made it 2-1, and a minute later, Lewandowski gets the third goal, and all bets are off after that. They take that momentum and that ruthlessness that we used to see from Barcelona of old under Pep Guardiola, under so many of the other Luis Enrique. They're bringing that back. And a player who I think is coming to life, especially since Jules Koundé has come in, I don't know if it's having two Frenchmen on the field in the starting lineup, Ousmane Dembele. On one of the goals, I think he he won the ball back, lost the ball, and then tackled someone and put the cross in. I think Lewandowski's third goal, put or the second goal, put the cross back in for Lewandowski diving header. When was the last time you saw Ousmane Dembele tackle someone? Never. <laughs> Until now, that tells me that there's something happening in Catalonia for the Barcelona camp, and it's a team work ethic that's starting to, to evolve. And I think that makes them even scarier because individually, in terms of talent, they have the talent. I mean, they bought every talented player you could available in the transfer window. But when this talented group becomes a team, watch out. They could be dark horse favorites. Honestly, both of you guys tell me, did you remember that Ferran Torres played for Barca before this game? 
because I didn't. <laughs> it's I like it, it, you know it was just funny? one of those like. <laughs> you know what's funny, JJ? When when he scored the goal, I was like, "Oh, Pedri had a haircut," and it wasn't. Yeah. But the crazy thing was, like six months ago, whenever it was that Torres left City and joined Barca, like that was a huge, huge move. Nobody knew how Barca had managed to do it. And then he got forgotten with everything that's gone on this summer. But Ferran Torres, like on his day when he's fit, healthy, you know, he is a, an absolute baller and a game changer. Obviously didn't need to change the game given where it was when he started contributing with his goal and assist. But, you know, I think he just adds to, you know, the potential ferocity of this uh, Barca starting eleven. And I mean, I think it's still too early to say, you know, Barca are going to go all the way. They're going to dominate in La Liga and, and in the Champions League. Because obviously, given the way that, you know, their new business model is structured, there's a lot of pressure on them to do that. But, you know, I think it's important for them to build up the understanding and, you know, the the, the form by winning these these winnable games with all due respect to the teams, you know, like uh, Pilsen that they come up against, uh, you know, and doing it in convincing fashion. So, you know, when you've got your guys doing what they were bought to do, uh, you know, I think that's always going to breed the kind of confidence that suddenly, you know, Xavi needed to get his ideas across to this team. So, you know, like Mike's, Mike was saying to his point, you know, when you're able to get that message across so clearly, even to someone like Usman Dembele, it's always going to make your job so much easier. And, you know, I think that makes Barca a real threat if you're a Bayern or an Inter coming up against them in the next couple of weeks. A massive test uh, against Bayern Munich will probably tell us a lot about Barcelona and Xavi. We're going to take a break, everybody. When we come back, uh, the pigeon baby, Richarlison, gets some goals in the Champions League as Tottenham uh, defeat Marseille. We'll have, uh, obviously, the point of view from Liga from Jonathan Johnson. Also, Sporting. Could this be the best victory in the Champions League for Sporting? I know that, you know, it was in Barcelona, Bayern Munich, but the Europa League champions got demolished today. We also talked Leverkusen, Club Bruja, uh, and a little bit more final thoughts, and that will be it. Kigo Lasso Champions League recap this Wednesday. Jonathan Johnson, Michael Aouda, Lamy will be right back. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. The chilling new original docu-series on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Well, it took a little bit of time, but Tottenham did get the victory in the end. Marseille were holding strong with Tudor, but in the end, it's 2-0 for Tottenham. Uh, Kane, Son, and Richarlison started, but it was the Brazilian that really took most of the headlines. It was great to see at the end. We're seeing some video already on social. Richarlison hugging his family and his friends on the stands. Very emotional for him as, of course, he embarks on this Champions League journey. It's uh, every player's dream, of course. But Tottenham win 2 nothing here, Michael LaHood. Thoughts from Antonio Conte's side? Well, they, they, they left it later than I think a lot of Spurs fans would have liked. Uh, when you have a match 
of this magnitude and getting your new look Tottenham Hotspurs Champions League maiden voyage off and running. Watching a lot of this game, Spurs seem to only have one way to play. Sit back, absorb, hit you on the counter. And at times I was confused because I, I had to blink twice to say, wait, is this game in France or is it in London? What's going on here? Because Marseille had a lot of the ball. They had more of possession than Tottenham. And I just worry. Oh, we're, about we're, we're, we're lucky they even got there on time to play the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I worry a bit about Tottenham Hotspurs because they've this has kind of become their DNA for success so far this season is they've left it late. And then as soon as they get a goal, they look like world beaters. It's like, oh, yeah, OK, let's push numbers forward. Let's get in the attack. Son's leading the counterattack. Harry Kane dictating. I'm still waiting for a game where they show up. We have the first game of the season where they were flying. But since then, I think everyone's still waiting for Spurs to be the true Spurs we think they can be. But they keep finding ways to win. And Richarlson is going to be key to that, getting him, Son, and Kane. And the first time I saw Kulishevsky at right wing back, could that be the way forward for him? I think so. I think that's a better option. He's going to get up and down, and you have true, two true outside wingbacks, and he and Perisic now, who can give you a lot offensively but still have the honesty to get back defensively and help out. Yeah, Richarlison, the pigeon, crapping on the hopes of French teams in Europe. I, uh, I hope there's not going to be too well, much of that. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you went no, but honestly, thinking about on, that on, all honest, I mean, on, on, honestly, like two kind of thoughts, like one sticking on Spurs. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand Mike's point about waiting for them to really get going. But also at the same time, you can see this gradual transition now. There are some very clear Conte elements when you look at the way that Perisic is chipping in, uh, you know, with one of the goals being you know a fairly key figure for them so far this season. He's not even guaranteed to be in the starting 11. I think that Conte is finally starting to get those ideas across to his players, getting them to do what he wants them to do on the pitch. And, you know, that's going to make them, you know, quite formidable as the season grows and as that you know, understanding gets even stronger. For Marseille, I felt the game really changed when Mbemba was sent off. I thought he was really solid in the first half. Then, you know, losing him at the beginning of the second, that makes it a real uphill task for OM. In terms of, you know, their performance, you know, taking that into account, I think they probably did as well as they could have hoped. Uh, you, you just wonder what might have been, you know, had they remained 11 against 11. But, uh, you know, credit to, to to Spurs taking their chances where they needed to. For me, this one for Marseille is going to play on how they do in their home games. Like you like you said, LME, you didn't know whether it was, uh, you know, in my, or I think maybe Mike or LME said it, uh, you know, it was, you didn't Mike know whether it, it was a home game. Don't worry about All right, right. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of you, I'm giving you credit for it, said it, you know, you didn't know whether it was a home Home game or an away game, you know, that is going to be like 10 times that when Marseille mm. are playing at Stade Velodrome, uh, you know, and I think that will make a huge difference to their chances, you know, of potentially getting into the Europa League or, or even better than that. So I'm, I'm not too down on OM's chances for the moment, but there is a kind of feeling of frustration a little bit as well as to what might have been because it was a very solid first half, I thought, from them. Given the display today, where do the goals co come from for this team? Because it just felt like they were missing the finishing touch. Whenever they decided to be ambitious and get in the attack, they they unnerved Tottenham a bit. And I think Spurs were kind of cut off guard with, oh, crap, this is a, this is a good team. They're not just going to roll over and give it to us. 
I mean, I think it's a it's, it's a good question. Don't forget, you know, that uh, that the Marseille have uh, Alexis Sanchez as well, who started the season very well in uh, in Ligue 1. So I think you know they will hope that goals come from him. I never really understood miscasting uh, Arcadius Milik. We saw at Parc des Princes, he can still be a threat for Juve. So I, I do feel like oh, I'm sort of threw away a goal threat there. They do have Luis Suarez. I'm yet to be convinced he's kind of the finisher that they need. But uh, you know, I. I, I get the point, uh, you know, and I, I I do agree with you that there are sort of there are players capable of scoring goals, but there's not necessarily a recognised goal scorer. But if Alexi Sanchez can continue his rebirth as we've seen in the first few games, uh, you know, I think that OM will be, you know, in a, in a in a much better place. I mean, don't forget that he was suspended because of what happened when Inter. Uh, you know, went out last season against Liverpool and that rush of blood to the head. So once he's back, I think that makes OM even more dangerous. But uh, no, for sure, it's it's definitely a worthy point that there's not that much depth, uh, you know, in the attack, especially when you bear in mind that Bamba Dieng, who obviously had that transfer deadline day drama, was left off of the list completely, uh, as was Cedric Bakambu, who at the end of the day is a proven goal scorer, despite the fact that his form has dropped off massively, uh, you know, despite a, a few years of wilderness in China before coming back to Europe. So, uh, you know, there there is room for improvement there in the attack, but I think Igor Tudor will feel, uh, you know, he'll feel a bit boosted, uh, you know, by that uh, performance, at least up until the, the red card. Well, uh, to wrap up that group, of course, Sporting uh, with a great win against Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, by the way, Marcus Edwards, uh, a goal and assist mm. in his full Champions League debut, only the fifth Englishman to score for a non-British club since 2019. I love it, man. From Enfield uh, to European Knights, great stuff there. But sporting, fantastic victory there. All right, let's uh, move on here and let's talk about Group B, by the way, living up to its billing. And I mentioned, obviously, that producer Des Norris, an athletic <laughs> fan. It was uh, a good day, bad day for Mario Hermoso. Breaks the deadlock and in injury time, then gives away a penalty. So it was one all, and you thought that that was it for Diego Simeone's men. But here comes... Uh, Pink, shiny-haired Antoine Griezmann with a great stoppage time winner. And it's the Atleti 2, Porto 1, Diego Simeone there running, uh, sprinting, more like to celebrate with him. Great scenes there at Wanda Metropolitano. Jonathan Johnson, a, a good win for Atleti against Porto because everybody thought it was going to be 1-0. But in the end, they got a, a, a good three points. Yeah, I mean, uh, Group B for boring. Uh, it was certainly felt like it was the case right up until the end of the 90 minutes and then things suddenly exploded. Uh, I mean, to be honest, it's kind of going to expectations so far. My assumption was that Atleti would probably win the majority of their games or make hard work of them. And if they won them, you know, perhaps win by a goal. So it's it's not a huge surprise that that has happened here against Porto. It's just a surprise they managed to have three goals in that game, uh, you know, given how it was for, for the majority of the encounter. But, uh, you know, it's shaping up quite interestingly as well. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Club Brugge. It's, it's always a place that I aim to go whenever there's a possibility. Great, great venue. Uh, you know, and to see them starting, uh, you know, the way that they have against uh, Leverkusen as well, I, I really fancy them to potentially take one of the, the top two spots in that group. It's a team that has a lot of talent despite the, the departure of De Kertele to, to Milan. Uh, and, you know, I think this Atleti side, I'm, I mean, I'm still not totally convinced by them. Then again, it's also not the strongest Porto team that we've seen in the last couple of years. I mean, obviously we know that there's no shortage of talent, but it kind of feels like those talents are now in the process of being polished and probably won't be good for, for Champions League performances at the 
highest level for another season or so. But uh, yeah, I do think that this group will remain fairly tight right up until the end. So to see Atleti and Club Brugge pulling away at the beginning, uh, I'm curious to see how the next couple of rounds of matches uh, play out. Keep an eye and remember this scoreline between these two teams, Atleti and Porto, because I have this odd feeling that this is going to be the talk of this group at the very end of this competition in terms of the group stages. Porto, valiant effort, frustrating Atleti, and at times Atleti frustrate themselves with their lack of taking opportunities and sometimes their lack of endeavor. Sometimes they seem more content with the nil-nil draw or a one-nil win in that Simeone way. And when they become more adventurous, a la a Tottenham Hotspurs, good things happen. They have the individuals that can produce world-class moments, and they have a guy on the bench who won the World Cup who seems to be changing. He gets more haircuts and hairstyles than minutes as of late. <laughs> and at what point do you play the guy? I know business is business. And it's, I think it's something that could be a worthy talking point. But at what point do you just start the guy? Because offensively, they're stuttering. And this is the same athletic team. They got their butts whipped at home by Villarreal. And Anton Griezmann still on the bench waiting to come in because business is business. Yeah, I think uh, I saw Simeone addressing that the other day. And he said, look, at the end of the day, you're asking me this question about Griezmann getting minutes, whether it's the right thing to do. At the end of the day, I'm a club man. I feel that kind of sums up the Simeone conundrum perfectly for Atleti because he's achieved so much with the club that they can never, you know, push him out of the door. But also it kind of feels like his approach at times holds Atleti back now, certainly for the collection of players that they have. And that kind of financial limbo that they find themselves in, especially with this situation, uh, you know, with Griezmann, you know, that just kind of like underscores uh, the 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 tricky situation they find themselves in. And it's, I don't know, it's almost like they need uh, a team, a club to come along, test Simeone's resolve to stay, mm. uh, you know, with Atleti, uh, you know, to give them the chance to move on. Because, ima- I mean, it's, imagine if Chelsea had gone for Simeone instead of, uh, instead of Potter. Suddenly that gives Atleti the opportunity to bring in somebody like a Simeone, who, uh, a Simeone, a Pochettino, who I think would be perfect for an Atleti and would, probably be able to get more out of that group than Simeone can with his, his tactical view on the team. Yeah, well, don't it's, don't it's hold your breath on that, JJ, because Chelsea could still sack whoever they're bringing next because they sack <laughs> managers. I mean, I mean appar- apparently there's going to be a managerial change every 100 days, according yeah, to Tom yeah. That's what we <laughs> noticed at the emergency pod, but uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, Diego Simeone has done tremendous things for Atletico Madrid, but sometimes you think, you know, just uh, resetting uh, is best for everybody involved but they get the win so athletic fans don't want to hear about that right now they want to hear about three points against of course porto uh to wrap it up by the way club Bruja wins one nothing against leverkusen the own goal of the day by the way if you haven't checked it out please check it out yes there's norris a great day for the simeones fantastic stuff i'm sure they're household have you have you have you guys seen the video yet of Gio Simeone? He's like, I think he's being interviewed after the game and he realizes Atleti have scored like late on in like the 101st <laughs> minute. It's oh, great. I, I absolutely great. love it. I've got to check that out after this. <laughs> Tremendous stuff. But anyway, that is it. That is our Champions League recap. In fact, that is the recap of match day one. We got plenty more European action. Of course, Europa League on Thursday as well, Conference League as well. I'm very excited about Europa League. We've got a Peruvian in the house as Marcos Lopez and Feyenoord, but some tremendous mm. matches there, of course, to watch Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. 
Thank you so much for listening to Kegolazo. Take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platforms. We're on Apple Pods, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're also available as video, as you may know. So subscribe to us on YouTube, please. Final thoughts from these two fine gentlemen. A lot of action. Love it. Champions League is back. European football is back. We got the Premier League. We got La Liga. Just football every single day. I'm sure our spouses and our loved ones are so happy about that. Final <laughs> thoughts, Michael LaHood, before we say goodbye. Beware, beware of the 7th of September. Coaches getting sacked. Bad day for German teams. Not so great day for English clubs. Could this be the month where we see more coaches getting sacked from big clubs than we've seen in a long, long time? I'm just going to plant that seed there. Jurgen Klopp, a name who's on the hot seat. Oh, man. Story in the making. Were, I thought you were going to make it rhyme, the beware, beware of 7 September. That would have been a good one. <laughs> ah, I know. <laughs> next I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not running up yet. I'm not just ne- – give me, give me some more time. Yeah. yeah. Jonathan Johnson, final thoughts, my friend. Uh, you know what? I'm going to run with that uh, with that theme from Mike because I think you mentioned at the beginning of the show three managerial casualties today. I'm not sure Lopetegui ever got confirmed. I think it's we, – we assume it's done. But I don't think it actually got. Uh, I got hope Lopetegui's not watching this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But I mean, the, all the sounds coming out of Sevilla, out of uh, you know, a lot of uh, Spanish football experts, is that the decision has pretty much been made. It sounds like Sevilla are waiting to identify his successor before mm. you know announcing that decision, uh, which is bad news for me because one of my predictions for the week. Uh, along with Lewandowski getting a hat-trick, along with Kylian Mbappe scoring and PSG beating Juve, was that Lopetegui would be the first Champions League manager to go. Mm. And because Leipzig and Tedesco were were quicker to the buzzer, uh, unfortunately, I won't be winning that one. But, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of feels already like we're in jeopardy territory for a couple of these Champions League clubs. You know, Sevilla definitely being one of them. And, you know, Liverpool perhaps one bad result away from joining that band. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, fantastic stuff, everybody. My only final thought is uh, Club Melgar, a Peruvian club from Arequipa. They're in the Copa Sudamericana semifinal, second leg, by the mm. way, against Independiente del Valle. Do you know Independiente del Valle, everybody? That's where a certain Moises Caicedo came from as well, so make sure that you check it out. But Melgar, uh, rooting for you uh, and that Peruvian side. Thank you, everybody. Michael LaHood. Jonathan Johnson, Desnar is in the background, LME. Like I said, we got plenty more European action to come and much more weekend preview, recaps, etc. Thank you so much for being part of the family. It's great to be here. It's great, great to have these two lovely gentlemen. We'll see you next time. Have a great, great rest of your evening. Until then, bye-bye.